Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Happy Independence Day. Almost. Um, If you're a guest here, we're so glad that you're with us. Uh, Thank you for uh, taking part of your uh, weekend, your holiday weekend, to come join with us. Um, Like Ben said earlier, we're really glad to have you here, and I hope you feel welcome, and I hope you enjoy what you see and and, um, wonder what it's like to be a part of this group and uh, can join in with us. We're going to be in John chapter 12 today. Uh, we're coming up uh, very quickly to the to end of our uh, series on the Gospel of John. And um, I'm going to go ahead and start right from the verse. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. If you don't own a Bible, we've got... Oh, they're not there. We, we've got Bibles for you outside right on that table. Um, please take that home as our gift to you. Um, let us begin with reading from John chapter 12, verse number 12. We're going to read through um, all of 27 and the first part of 28. All right, you guys ready? All right, cool. Verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had happened to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Not too efficient of a system there. Um, But they tell Jesus, there's some people who want to see you. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Yes, he says, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. 
Amen. This is God's word. Nine and a half years ago, I was a man with a plan. All right? I know you don't believe that by looking at me now, but um, nine and a half years ago, I had a plan. I was in college. It was my last year of college, and I was studying biology. I don't know many of you guys don't know you have a pastor whose degree is in biology. And I had a, my plan was to do optometry school, and so I took the test that you need to take to get in, and I was applying to a school in Memphis. And in the middle of that process, through a series of events that took about a month, and it's, it's too much to go into right now, um, God very clearly put a call on my life to do ministry. And it, and it wasn't just a call to do ministry. It was a call to say no to my plan to go to optometry school and to say yes to what he was calling me to do in ministry. Now, here's the thing. That was what my, my dad's an optometrist. My brother now is an optometrist. It was the family business. There was a clinic ready. My plan was to go and take part in the family business, and that was going to be my job, or at least my profession, for 40 to 45 years, right? So I went from, I had a choice. Do I say yes to God's plan, or do I say yes to my plan? And in order to say yes to the plan that God was putting before me, I had to say no to my plan. And, and I decided to say yes to, to that call that God had put in my life, and what it meant was I went from knowing or at least having a plan for what I was going to do for 40 years to not knowing what I was going to do four months from then when I graduated school. It's a little uncomfortable place, right? But it was so clearly something that God was calling me to do. I had to say, I, I, I chose to say yes. And there's no way when I chose to say yes to what God wanted for me that I could have known or seen that 1,600 miles away from me in Poway, California, there was a church that had decided we need a youth pastor, someone to shepherd and care for our young people. And, and God set that up. God opened that door, and that's how I got out here. I wouldn't have even have known any of you if I hadn't said yes to God's call. God saw ahead of me and saw the people that would not hear about the gospel, the people that would come to faith in Jesus, the people that would come to faith in Jesus in my living room that I didn't even know about or know that he had planned for me. And I would have missed out completely on that. God can redeem anything. God can redeem any of our situations. But I'm just saying, as I look back now on my life, I see the wisdom of God in, this, in, his, in his quest to, to, for me to say yes to him and no to myself. Now, it's not often that I begin a sermon with a personal example, so uh, just guess so you know that. I usually don't start off every sermon telling my life story, right? So hopefully you forgive me. And, and, and here's the other thing. I know I'm not a perfect example, but my hope is that I can be a living example. And even just that little story could be a glimpse of what it means to say yes to Jesus and to, to die to our own ways, which is what this passage is going to talk about. Now, as we get started, I want to share with you, I think, probably the scariest verse of the Bible, or at least one of them. It's really scary for me. Proverbs 14, 12. I think we have it on the screen. It 
says there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. King James says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. Why is that scary? Because we live, you and I live in a time when we're told that we can make our own meaning in life. And that actually we're supposed to find and make our own meaning in life. And we won't truly be happy until we find what our personal meaning in life is and live for it with everything we've got. Does it sound familiar? That is one of the pervading narratives of our culture. That true happiness is found when we find our own purpose and totally live for it. But what Jesus says in this passage today is really hard to accept because Jesus is in effect saying that in order to find true life in God, you have to die. You have to die to the way that seems right to you. In order to live a life that bears fruit beyond yourself, you have to die. You have to die to yourself in order to live for something greater which is Jesus. The greatest call on your life is the call of Jesus to come and die. The greatest call on your life is the call of Jesus to come and die because it's this way of the cross, this pattern that Jesus sets up right now before he was even crucified. This pattern is called the way of the cross. It it. In this way, death leads to life. In this way, we don't really get to the life that God wants for us unless we're willing to die to the life that we're trying to get for ourselves. Does that make sense? Jesus affirms that our life does have meaning and our life does have purpose and that true joy is really, really possible. But instead of us making it up, the God who made us gives us a purpose and leads us to joy. You guys see that? You can say yes or no. Okay. (laughs) Cool. Good to know you guys. You guys are with me there. You ever notice when you get exactly what you want, what happens? You you want something else? You ever notice that? You ever, like, either as you were a kid or parents, You've seen your kids do this. You, you open Christmas gifts on Thanksgiving. Or, well, on Thanksgiving? No. <laughs> on Christmas. And there's a whole lot of joy just ripping the gifts open and seeing what you got. And then like 15 to 20, I don't know, you get a time scale minutes later. And the kid's either just playing with one of the gifts or like over there playing with the wrapping paper or like a gift they already had. Has ever known that or experienced that? You ever notice when you reach a goal that you had set for yourself, what is there left to do except set another goal, right? Does it really give the the completion and the satisfaction that you're looking for when you get what you want? Here's what I'm saying. If you miss this today, you will miss why Jesus came to earth. He starts this passage. His word says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And he ends it with, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. If you miss this principle of the way of the cross today, you will miss what following Jesus is all about, and you'll miss what he's actually offering you. The way of the cross is so important because we spend most of our time trying to build the life that we long for. Would you agree? 
without realizing that what we long for is only found in God. It's only found in God. And the only way to that life that is in God is in dying to ourselves so that we can live in him. Just like the only way that Jesus could save us was dying to himself so that he could give us life. You guys see that? So I want to take just a few minutes, the rest of our time today, to focus on uh, this, this pattern that Jesus introduces in, in this passage today, the way of the cross. And I want to focus on two aspects of it, that the way of the cross is the way to life, and that the way of the cross is the way of life that we're called to. So first, the way of the cross is the way to life. In verse 24, Jesus says, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. If it dies, it bears much fruit. When Jesus, in the beginning of this passage, is coming into Jerusalem, people are praising him as the king of Israel. The Messiah, Hosanna that they say means save. And it was a, it was a term of praise. They're praising, the, they're welcoming, they're saying, you're going to be our king. And when the whole world is running to him, and when the Greeks in this passage, who would have been culturally outside of the Jewish life, but they're interested in Jesus, and they uh, probably worship God, but they wanted to know more about this Jesus man. When the whole world is running to him, to see their king, this is what he says it's going to look like. This is what my kingdom's gonna look like. This is what my glory is gonna look like. See, Jesus came to the earth to die. Yes, he came to do a lot of other things to show us how to live, to show us uh, who God is like and what love is like, but he also came to die. And as painful as that is, God, thank God, we serve a God who doesn't waste a hurt. Because Jesus' death isn't pointless, but it's powerful. Jesus came to earth to die so that we could actually live. Amen? So he starts this off with a farming metaphor about wheat, about a kernel of wheat. And according to a 4-H website that I was looking at, one kernel of wheat... You gotta cite your sources. So. I, grew, I grew up in Arkansas, but I wasn't a farmer, so I, you know I trust 4-H. Um, one kernel of wheat, which is that's the basically the fruit of a stalk of wheat, right? And that's what we grind up and make grain and have bread and all that other stuff. Everyone familiar with wheat? Yeah, yeah. pasta. Everyone like that? Okay. Um, one kernel of wheat can grow several hundred kernels by the next harvest. One kernel of wheat can grow several hundred kernels by the next harvest, but only if it's planted. If it stays in the bag, or if it stays up on its own stalk of fruit and doesn't fall and die, germinate, right? It's not going to bear any fruit. It's just going to die alone. But one kernel, it grows several hundred new kernels next harvest. The seed is sown into the blackness of the earth. It's covered up where there's no light. And it results in this process we call germination. And then a little plant comes up. And then a little stalk of grain. And then before you know it, however many feet high, 
You've got a stalk of grain crowned with a head of countless new kernels. It's a multiplied harvest. Now listen, Jesus is making a metaphor of what's about to happen to him. His body is the kernel of wheat. And he's saying his body, he's going to die and he's going to be sown into the, into the tomb where there's darkness. But on the third day, not even death can hold back the spiritual life that bursts forth out of that tomb. Amen? Amen. And he's saying, I've got to die and I've got to be buried just like a kernel of wheat has to fall off and not, li- and not keep living for itself. But if it's going to be fruitful at all, it's got to die and be buried so that it can grow and explode and have hundreds of seeds. Jesus is saying, I'm going to die. I'm going to be sown into the ground where it's dark and I'm going to burst forth in life and light on the third day for all who would believe. My glory you're, you're saying I'm the king and you want to see what the king is like. My glory is to die so that my death will bear much fruit. Death before life. That's the way of the cross. Not death that's pointless and over and it's it, but it's death before life. And, and that today is the message of hope that we have. That's how we're saved is the way of the cross. That Jesus took death, our worst enemy, the thing that will steal everything from you. Death will steal everything and everyone from you in your life. You will turn back into dust. But our hope is in Jesus who died, who already went there. We're living right now. We haven't experienced death. We've experienced others dying, but you're alive right now. Well, guess what? Jesus died and he was dead And he rose again to bring new life to all who believe. The way of the cross is the way to life for us. When we were far from God, when we were dead in sin, Christ gave his life so that we could have that life. Amen? Ephesians 2 says it this way. I have it, should have it on the screen. Ephesians 2, 12 says, Remember at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. How are we brought near? A colonel that died so that he could bring the fruit of life in our lives. Other kings would kill in order for you to serve them. Our king died in order to save you. Our king served you by dying so that you could be saved. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Sorry, I just said, I got to clap a little bit. <laughs> got to feel it in here. Y'all didn't know you walked into Pentecostal church. JK. this is the good news that the way of the cross the way of Christ crucified is the way to life there's nothing that we can do to be saved outside of the way of the cross that Jesus provided for us there's nothing that we can do on our own there's no meaning of life that we can find on our own that's going to give us enough joy enough peace to push us through the end of death onto the other side 
But yet Jesus took on that death that we deserve and, and gave us the life that we didn't deserve. He earned it and gives it to us freely. Oh, praise God. Praise God. I, some of you are probably thinking, hey, I've heard all this stuff. Well, good, you need to hear it again. It's good news, isn't it? It's such good news. We try to find so many other ways to save ourselves, whether it's through something we can do or whether it's through some experience that we can have or some significance that we can make for ourselves that we can spend our life on. But Jesus, the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. The way of the cross that Jesus is talking about here. The way of, I've got to die in order to bear the fruit of giving you eternal life. That way is the way, our way to life. Isn't God good? Isn't God good that the death that Jesus took on was not random and not pointless and not purposeless? It was our death that he took on so that we could have his life. He's the source of life. And yet he took on our sins to give us life. Do you know that today? Have you experienced that today? Did you know that you can today? Did you know that when you come to Jesus and say, Lord, I believe that you are the son of God and I believe that you died for my sins and you rose again on the third day, did you know that you could begin a relationship of seeing what it's like to truly live? This secret, this is, this is, this principle is at the foundation of the universe. This is how life works. This is how true, eternal, lasting life works. The way of the cross is the way to life. So not only has he given us a way to life, but he's also given us a way to live. He's called us into a pattern of living that mirrors himself because it's going to give us true joy. So I'm moving along quick. Everyone still with me? Yes. All right, we're into the next part. The way of the cross is the way to live. The very next verse after that kernel falling to the ground and dying and bearing much fruit, the very next verse, Jesus says this. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. You guys see that it's not really an option there if we want it, if we want to serve Jesus. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. So I just want to say briefly, I may not know, I don't know everyone here. I may not know much about your life at all, but I do know because of the Bible, I do know what will make you come alive. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know what you're pursuing, what kind of roadblock you might be hitting, what's holding you back. I don't know much about your life, but I do know what will make you come alive. And the life that you're longing for is on the other side of dying to yourself. That's why Christians have such good hope. That's why Christians have a, an, 
awesome, amazing, bright look at the future. Because if you look around yourself, there's not much of a reason to be too happy about the way the world's going right now, is there? Maybe there is. We can focus on the positive things. But just read the news. I mean, you can cut off from the news and not look at what's happening all around the world and everywhere, but Christians have a reason for hope because we believe that Jesus has called us to die to ourselves so that we can have true life. Does that make sense? The greatest call in your life is the call of Jesus to come and die. Here's why. The um, Expositor's Bible Commentary talks about the words that Jesus, the Greek words that are, are in here that Jesus uses for life. And there's two words translated for life. The first one is, is um, another way of saying it is the soul or the individual personality with all its related experiences and achievements. Right? So the first one is basically my life on my terms. Like what I've achieved, what I've accomplished, what my goals are, what the where I'm in charge. And the second one, the second word for life is usually in, in this book coupled with eternal, the word eternal, so eternal life, and it means the spiritual vitality that comes from the experience of God. It means the life that we have inside and for eternity that only comes from knowing God and being with God. So Jesus says, anyone who loves their life will lose it, but anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Why is the way of the cross, why is the way to live that Jesus calls us to mirror, why do we need to die to ourselves? Because we want to be king. But not only that, Jesus is a better king. Jesus is a better king. And either he is a better king than you, and you believe it, or he's not, but he's still king. Jesus calls us to die to ourselves because he knows what will bring us true joy and true fulfillment and lasting life in eternity with him. Amen? The commands of God are not random. The commands of God, just think of the Ten Commandments or, or the things in the New Testament that, that God says about how we should live and what it means to have a flourishing life. They're not random. And, and guess what? God doesn't want just your begrudging obedience. That's not what he's after. He's not like, all right, I'm going to set up, uh, I'm going to create humanity, and I'm going to set up a few rules that will really frustrate them. And if they can just say, okay, well, this is kind of dumb, but I'll do it anyways, then I'll be happy. No. He's a loving father. He made you. That's, that's the Christian worldview, that if you're, if, you're, yeah, if you're not here, if you're on earth, he made you. He knows what is good for you, what is best for you. He knows how your soul will most flourish and he knows how broken you are by sin and by rebelling against him myself included i hope you guys hear that every time i say you i'm talking about myself i'm not standing up here looking down at you he knows us he made us the commands of god for us 
our good and they're for our joy. Does that make sense? He gave us his commands for life. And it's funny because a lot of them are just simple. A lot of them are so simple, but they're given to us to realize we can't even keep them. Thou shalt not lie. Anyone broken that? <laughs> right? It's simple stuff that's good for us. Don't lie. Don't murder. Don't touch your neighbor's wife. How hard could those be to follow? They're for our joy, though. They're for our joy. They're for human flourishing. They're for our good. Sometimes we act like when we're reading God's commands, and, and I don't know which area you struggle with, whether it's what God says about money or what he says about power or what he says about sex or what he says about uh, forgiving those that hurt you or what he said, whatever he says, wherever your areas of struggle, sometimes you read God's word and we read it like there's an asterisk right next to the passage that, that I struggle with. There's an asterisk right next to the passage you struggle with and you go down to the bottom and it says, this one's not for you. You don't have to worry about this one. Your situation's different. And I see your situation, and you're cool, bro. Right? Sometimes we look at the commands of God like that. But that's not the commands of God. They're for us. They're for our good. They're for you. They're for that situation that you're butting heads with it. It's for you, and it's for your good in that. And the call of Jesus is for you to die to yourself and lay that down. And to trust that just like Jesus laid his body down, that it's going to have so much more fruit than you can have on your own. You can't even count how many seeds would come from that. Countless millions have come to know the hope of Jesus Christ because he died to himself. And then he calls us and says, anyone who loves your life, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. You guys already know that whether you're a Christian here or not. You're going to lose your life. You're going to die. And it can either bear fruit and it can either go on an eternity with God or it can it cannot. Jesus calls us to die to ourselves so that we can live with him. Because there's something better than what we want. Because there's something better than where we think we know better. Amen? Jesus calls us to die to ourselves because he wants to save us from death and give us life. We act like this truth is kind of optional, but really it's just Jesus in this passage is just telling you the way it is. I'm not saying this to bring anyone down today, and he wasn't either. It's just letting you know your options according to Jesus. What are you going to do with your life? Either you will die to yourself or you will die because of yourself. Either you will cling to your kernel of wheat or you will cling to the cross. Cling to the message of hope that the cross brings us. Whoever serves me must follow me. Jesus, I don't know about you, but Jesus makes a better king than me. I'd rather be a servant to the king than be a slave to my own kingdom. There's a quote from Jim Carrey, the actor and comedian he gave in a uh, university um, commencement address a couple years ago. Uh, should have it on the screen. It says, this is Jim Carrey. He says, 
I've often said that I wish people could realize all their dreams and wealth and fame so they could see that it's not where they're going to find their sense of completion. This coming from Jim Carrey, who spent a considerable amount of his uh, childhood homeless in a van with his family, and now is worth over $150 million. He's got all the fame. You all know his name, right? And he says, I wish that everyone could get everything that they want so they realize that it's not going to make you complete. It's not going to be enough. Are you living your way? Are you living God's way? Are you living for your mission? Are you living for his mission? The greatest call in your life truly is the call of Jesus to come and die because it's only through that that you're really going to know what true life is like with him, both now and forever. Only God can take your life and make it fruitful and eternally full. Only God can take one kernel of wheat and make a whole loaf of bread. The way of the cross is not only the way to life for us, it's the way of life for us. And Jesus has called us to live in this pattern because it's the only way that leads to life eternal and life with God. Is there a pattern or a plan in your life today that you need to die to so you can embrace true life? He's king, whether we let him be or not. He's king. But is there an area of your life where you can hand over your scepter to him and let him rule as king? We don't serve a dead Savior who's called us just to death. We serve a risen Savior who's called us to life. I want to uh, share a story and a quote, and, and there will be, then I'll be done. Um, um, some of you may have heard or, or may not have heard of uh, uh, a man by the name of Jim Elliott. Uh, he was a missionary in the early 1950s. Uh, there was a movie that came out like 10 years ago called The End of the Spear. kind of tells a little bit of the story I'm about to share. But um, God had put a call on his life and uh, several other people um, for this particular uh, tribe, uh, for them to know the gospel. Because they had never heard about Jesus and no one had ever shared the gospel. There was no Bible in their language. No one shared the gospel in their language. It was a tribe in Ecuador and the, the Waldani tribe. There was no believers and their murder rate, there was a very murderous tribe. There was a bunch of revenge killing and all sorts of things with spears. And the murder rate was over 50%. So if you were a part of that tribe, the chance that the majority of your cause of death would be murder from your own tribe. And God put it on their heart to reach out to this tribe but with the gospel. Who knows how that's going to turn out, Right? So many ways that could go. And so they tried to reach contact, and they, they finally made contact, and they were starting kind of a conversation with this tribe. And in the middle of, very early in the contact, the, the tribesmen came out and just speared them to death, speared the five missionaries to death, and they died. And a lot of people would hear that and say, well, that was a waste. Why'd you do that? Didn't really get anything done. You didn't even get to really share the gospel with them. But Jim Elliott would disagree. Because in a journal entry he wrote six years before his death, Jim Elliott wrote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Yeah. 
He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And I want you to know that that wasn't the end of the story for this tribe or for this people. Several of the, of the wives of the men who were, who were speared to death stayed and remained in the country, learned the language so that they could share the gospel with this tribe. And today it's that 25 to 40% of the tribe professes faith in Jesus. The murder rate has plummeted. There's reconciliation that's happened where one of the guys who actually speared the missionaries to death is now friends and ministry partners with that man's son who he killed. And they go and do ministry in that tribe together. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You will never know what fruit God is going to bring when you take your kernel of wheat and die to yourself and you bury it to God and say, God, I don't agree. I don't want this. I don't know what you're going to do, but make it fruitful. God, I don't see it the way you see it, but I'm going to trust that there's joy on the other side just like there was joy for Jesus. And if we don't have hope and joy in Jesus, we're going to shut this down. I was going to say we won't be here next week, but we won't. We'll be at the beach. <laughs> we still have hope in Jesus, though, just so that's clear. If we don't have hope in Jesus, I'll stop preaching. I'll quit. I'll still love all you guys, but I, there's no reason for me to be here if there's not hope in Jesus. But there is hope in Jesus, and that's why I'm preaching. I'm pleading with you to see this pattern of the cross, to see the way that Jesus has called us into life and to see the way that he has called us to live. Jesus ends the passage. He says, now my, my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? He's talking about he's going to lay his life down. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. The gospel is that Jesus did not count his own life too great of a cost to die your death so that he could give you life. If you're here today and you're indecisive, let me encourage you. Just like Jesus says, this is the hour I came from. Let me encourage you that this is the moment. This is the time. This is the reason you were here today to hear this sermon. Because there is hope for you. There is hope outside of your sins and your way, and there is hope in Jesus and his life and his righteousness and his way. To hear about the hope we have in the way of the cross and to die to ourselves. The Bible says to repent of our sins so that we can believe in Jesus, that he died for our sins and rose again so that we will live forever with him. And if that's you and you're here today and you, you are curious or want to know more about that, in a moment we're going to, we're going to switch modes and pray, and I would love to pray with you. And maybe there's a few other leaders that would come up and, and join me and if, there's, if there's several people that want to be prayed for and talked to about what it means to follow Jesus. Please come up and let me pray with you. And also, if you're here and you know Jesus, but you've been living your own way, or there's an area of your life where you're just not ready to bury it, your own life, in order to have his life, this moment is also for you. It's for this hour, it's for this time, it's for this moment that you're here. The reason you're here is to be reminded where true life comes from and to lay down your life so that you can take hold of his life. Amen? And, and when we close the prayer, I, I want you to just find, just find someone. Just find someone, whether 
it's a friend, someone you came with, or whoever it is. <laughs> Find someone and say, this is the area I need to confess. This is the area where the Holy Spirit is bringing to my mind, I need to die to myself so that I can live in Him. Does that make sense? All right, I want to close with a word of prayer. We'll have time of just responding to the word, praying together. They're going to play um, some music over the sound system. And uh, there's communion here that we take. And um, we're just going to remember the life that Jesus gave. That's what this communion represents, the life that Jesus gave for us and and the, the righteousness that he gives to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this moment. God, I thank you for the way of the cross. Lord, that something so brutal you could make so beautiful, God. For something that seems so hopeless, God, could be the source and the center of our hope. Lord, that when we were far from you, you shed your blood to draw us near to you, to make us family. You said you came into your own, And even though you made the world, people didn't receive you. They rejected you. But as many as received you, you gave them the right to become the children of God. Lord, I pray that if anyone's in here today and has not yet made that choice to follow you, that choice to say, Jesus, I want you. I want your way. I turn from my sins. I believe and I cry out to you. God, I pray that today would be their day to begin a relationship with you. And God, I pray for everyone here who who follows and serves you, God. Everyone here who they felt the effect of your grace, God. But there's an area, and there may be an area of their life where it's it still hasn't been surrendered to you and given to you so that you can really bring true joy into that area, God. God, I pray not only for your conviction, but for your encouragement. That we would repent, Lord, and that we would say, Yes, I want to serve you, and I will follow you. Jesus, I pray for that today. God, I pray that as a church, we would repent and turn away from sins. God, we know we're not perfect. Lord, help us not to pretend we're perfect. We know we're not perfect, God. But we know you are. We know you are good. You are full of life. I thank you for that truth. I pray that you would speak. You will work, Holy Spirit, right now in these next few moments in a way that only you can. Bless every single person, Lord, that's that's heard from your word today. And I pray that um, you would take hold of that life that you give us by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.